Welcome to the Next Level Soul podcast, where we ask the big questions about life. Why are we here? Is this all there is? What is my soul's mission? We attempt to answer those questions and more by bringing you raw and inspiring conversations with some of the most fascinating and thought-provoking guests on the planet today. I am your host, Alex Ferrari. I'm always looking to help the Next Level Soul audience take their soul to the next level. And I've been able to partner with Mind Valley to present you guys with a ton of free master classes between 60 and 90 minutes covering mind, body, soul, relationships, and conscious entrepreneurship. Some of these master classes are taught by spiritual masters, relationship experts, best selling authors, legends in the personal growth and spirituality space, and so much more. So if you want to sign up for any of our free mind, body, and soul masterclasses, just head over to nextlevelsoul.com forward slash free. Now, I've been fascinated with energy healing for a while. I've, you know, from Reiki to all sorts of different kinds throughout history and time that have been passed down for generations. And I always wanted to get somebody on the show who can really teach about energy healing and what it can truly do for your body. So today on the show, we have Richard Gordon, who is an expert on energy healing, has done so much work in this space, and I know our conversation is going to inspire you. So let's dive in. I'd like to welcome to the show, Richard Gordon. How are you doing, Richard? I'm doing great. Good to see you. Good to see you as well, my friend. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I I'm fascinated with your work, sir, and in, in your book here, Quantum Touch, The Power to Heal. Um, I wanted to have you on the show because we've had other healers on the show before talking about different uh, different methods and techniques. But yours is is interesting because you're you deal in power, uh, power or energy healing um, and quantum touch. And we're going to get into all of that. But I have to ask, how did you get started down the road of this kind of world. I'm assuming you didn't, you know, just fall out of the womb, hands hands ready. <laughs> Actually, I never would have believed I would be in this field, to be honest, because I grew up in an atheist household. I became a non-theist saying, well, I don't know what's true, so why am I gonna be against something I don't believe is there? Right. And um, my health was getting really bad by the time I was 24. And I went to a doctor and he was my inspiration. I have to give it to him. He said, yeah, you got a lot of symptoms, but let's wait till you get worse and then I can treat you. And I thought, all right, the guy knows nothing. So let me study. So let me study holistic health. And I went to a holistic health school and some women from California showed me something called polarity therapy, which is really amazing stuff. And I got into that and I was just seeing miracles, just miracles. And I thought, wow. So I wrote this book called Your Healing Hands, The Polarity Experience that was translated into 10 languages. And a few months before it was in print, when I was just feeling on top of the world, the young published author, I was like uh, 29 years old and really excited. And it was 1978. And I met the, I went to the seminars. My friend said, you got to go to this seminar. This guy's never taught a class before. He's been doing it for you know 30 years and it's amazing thing. So I went to the class and here's this big, morbidly obese, bored grandpa who's telling tall tales. And I don't believe anything he's saying. I don't believe a word. He said, oh, I just touch people. The bones move back to alignment with light touch. Oh, I worked on a tumor and it just dissolved under my hands in 40 minutes. And, and there was a time the child broke his leg and the leg came back together in an hour and a half. And then he's you know walking around the pool the next day, blah, blah, blah. And he's telling these crazy stories. And of course, I just dismiss it all. And then my girlfriend gets up to the front of the room and I'm sitting four feet away or five feet away. And she has a major scoliosis in her back and he touches her hips and he does this breathing body awareness that I teach. And the hips just roll right back to alignment right before my eyes. And then he touches the base of her cranial bones and they just roll right back to alignment. And I'm what? My jaw's on the floor. He goes up and down her spine for like seven, eight minutes. And half the scoliosis was straightened out. And 
in the course of the day, I saw I could move uneven cranial bones. And you lift up, I had actually studied this at the holistic health school, where you measure, you know, the occipital ridge. And if one side's much higher than the other, no one really has a good technique, but I would, so I tried this and I was able on the first day to get the bones to move to alignment without force. And that just blew me away. And then I started seeing all kinds of other miracles. I apprenticed with Bob Rasmussen, the older gentleman, mm -hmm. took over in his retirement and then radically evolved his system. Evolved it to the point where we can now explore the intersection of matter and consciousness in an empirical way. It's not just all the extraordinary healing we do. You see, parents, I, okay, I'm making, I'm jumping around, but it's kind of fun. I'm making a documentary now with one of the producer directors of What the Bleep. It's a five-part series called The Galileo Project. What would happen if somebody had visible paradigm-changing information before the world was ready to see it? That's mm -hmm. the premise. So we're interviewing all of these top luminaries in the field. And in one of the segments, we have, how do you show healing in a documentary without just dismissing it? Because you can always find um, people, actors who will say anything or faith healers or mm -hmm. placebos. So the idea was we work on infants. And so there were these twin girls with their parents and I'm on, I'm on a long distance call with them and I can only see myself. I can't even see what, who I'm talking to. And these girls have an inability to fall asleep. They're one year old and they can't fall asleep. So I'm giving the father the basic quantum touch instructions. And there's, by the way, there's no attunements or magical symbols or it's just breathing and body awareness, love and intention. That's how we work. Nothing esoteric about it at all, except that it's <laughs> looks like magic from the outside. So while I'm giving this two minute talk and they're feeling their body and they're bringing the awareness through their body and they're linking it to their breathing technique, the father picks up one and the girls are going, eh, eh, eh. they're whining the whole time I'm, I'm talking. And then the father just picks up one of the girls, holds her in his arms. And I happen to say, I've seen children who have difficulty sleeping suddenly go out like they're dead to the world. And as I'm saying this, I'm told the girl totally falls asleep and is dead to the world right on cue. And the camera zooms in and, and sees her just sleeping. So since then, the parents have been using this approach for nap time and bedtime and the children are sleeping perfectly fine. And so this is how we are showing that energy healing is real, but it goes way beyond energy healing when you start to explore it. You see, the, the computer scientists are always asking what is self-awareness, but in order to have self-awareness, and this is the part they miss, and it's so obvious in retrospect, you first have to have a self. They don't know how to program a self. They know how to program some level of awareness or to move the chess piece, but it's still a zombie and it doesn't care if it wins. <laughs> the toaster doesn't say I make toast, therefore I am. It has no self. Right. So what happens is it's we first have a self and the self has desires, imagination, will, intentions, projection, access to life force, energy, love, all kinds of things. But it starts with a self and the self is an entity. And this energy that we're using, I like to call it the life force energy. The Chinese have called it chi, the Japanese called it ki, the yogis call it prana. There's 70 odd cultures that have, have given specific names to, to this energy. I just think of it as the animating current of life. And because it doesn't function according to traditional physics, meaning you can do distant healing and work on somebody on the other side of the world as easily as working on somebody right next to you. So it isn't electromagnetic cause electromagnetism and light fall off with distance. This doesn't fall off with distance at all. And your love is actually a real thing. It's a real thing. And we are entities, we are beings and not just bodies and physics. So the traditional scientists think that everything will be explained through math, physics and logic. But the truth is, is that, that they are, they 
they're not even examining the great mystery. And the great mystery is who and what are we and what is love and what is the intersection of matter and consciousness? We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And our and the bridge between science and spirituality, not religion, but spirituality, the connection to source. Now, religious people can be very spiritual or not at all, depending on their connection to source. Or non-religious people can be very spiritual. It really doesn't matter. What matters is the connection to source. And because science refuses to consider this and study it for financial reasons, and I had my great awakening when I gave a talk a couple of years ago at the University of Arizona. I got to speak to a room full of scientists, which is unusual for a person in my position. I was about to say that must have been a hell of a, a hell of an audience, hell of a room. It was it was extraordinary because um, I somehow got invited to come to this lab meeting. There are all these you know postdoc PhDs there and the head professor. And they said, well, what did you find and how did you get there? So, all right, here's my history. And I went through it. And then I said, this discovery led to this discovery, led to this discovery. And now I'm going to demonstrate. And they say, well, show us. And I said, all right. So what I did was I found people whose hips were massively unbalanced, where it's just really obvious if you get your eyes level with your hands that this side's higher than that side, or the cranial bones were unbalanced. So I had to measure each other. And three or four people would measure each person. And these were really good cases because it's really easy to see, okay, my right hand is much higher than my left and there's just no doubt about it. And I found I could put consciousness into a physical object. We have these pendants that we've meditated on. And I would touch somebody on the shoulder with a pendant, use my preferred magic word, boing. And I'd say, touch their shoulder and say, boing. And then they'd measure and it was totally level. They measure the occiput and instead of being off, it would be level again. And then, after doing it six times on the seventh person, I said, all right, you hold the pendant and have a strong intention to cause alignment. Even though you don't know my work or how I do it, just use the pendant, touch the shoulder or their head or their nose or wherever, and just touch them with the intent and say, you don't have to use the magic word. And the guy just focuses, does it, we measure and it's all perfect. So that was the result of, uh, I think it was my, what's, uh, fourth book, The Secret Nature of Matter, Exploring the Intersection of Matter and Consciousness. So after they, they saw this, they got really excited. And four of the scientists said, I want to research and publish this. They just blatantly, this is exciting. I want to, I want to research this. And we, then they bragged about the MRI, CT scans, ultrasound, and something I'd never even heard of, you know, some fantastic equipment. And so they, they, were really enthusiastic. And then one of them said, but if I do this, if I, if I publish, I know I'll never get tenure at the university. And then number two, three, and four said, yeah, this would be academic suicide. And then the head professor chimed in and said, unfortunately, there's probably no university in the United States or Europe that's open to what you have discovered. And then he compared me to Ignaz, Samuelweis, Gregor Mendel, James Lind, William James, Galileo, Giordano, Bruno, and a host of others who could never be appreciated while they were alive and said, good luck. So I decided, screw that. And that's why I'm helping to produce this documentary called The Galileo Project, which will be out in less than a year from now, but not much less than a year. We're still shooting it. We've got uh, Roger Nelson who ran the Pear Lab at Stanford. We have um, physicists. We've got a different scientists. We've got heart math. Got a whole bunch of really extraordinary people. You know what's really fascinating about your story is I've had I've had multiple physicists, scientists, neuroscientists um, on the show talking about their different um, expertises. But what I find interesting is that science or spirituality and science are intersecting in ways that have never really happened, at least to our knowledge, in our in the history of, of humanity. It, it, because now we're things that science is starting to come uh, coming to be aware of 
the yogis have been talking about for 2000 years or the Chinese exactly. have been talking about for 2000 years or other cultures or other, um, you know, spiritual practices have been literally talking about this. The concept that we're all energy. It is a general statement has now been proven by quantum physics. As you go as far down right. into the atom as you can, there's literally empty space. So we're not exactly technically solid, which is a difficult concept for people to understand on a physical level, because they're like, if I punch my fist to the wall, it's going to hurt. The wall is solid. But when you start getting into the quantum mechanics of it all, we are now, we are energy. We are flowing energy. It's just really interesting. And then you start getting into all these other things in regards to your thoughts, your mind, what energy you bring towards you and all, all that kind of, and then you start talking about, you know, I've had, I've had spiritual masters on the show that talk about their, um, the vibrations of the human being and where their consciousness is. And based on that is what is attracted to your life. And it, there's so many different right. things. What's your take on science beginning very rudimentarily beginning to come to grips with the a lot of these concepts have been around for thousands of years they're starting to be able to prove or even investigate and make it okay to investigate these things it, it's still rather iffy for traditional scientists to step out of line because the money that funds the university right. system is is very tight and materialistically based so the assumption is everything will be explained through math physics and logic and if you break the model, they don't want anything to do with you. So some, some uh, fringe scientists are willing to go there. And what I discovered was an empirical way to explore the intersection of matter and consciousness. Mm -hmm. And that happened, you see, first in basic quantum touch, and this is like an essential human skill that every family member should know, every friend should know this, mm -hmm. how to use breathing and body awareness. I can teach it to people in minutes to start becoming effective, but with more training, you get better. So how do you run the energy through your body? And, and that's the, the foundation of it. Then we have level two, where you bring you continue doing the exact same technique, but you're bringing it all up to your heart chakra and you're projecting it with intention from the heart chakra using, it's not just body awareness and it's not just breath. It's the synergy of your breath, your body awareness and your love. And we project that. And then we can do like this distant healing, or you can be doing distant healing while your hands are also touching. You're doing both simultaneously. And then one of my students turned me on to a bone behind the nose and eyes called the sphenoid bone. And it turns out that if you can send energy to the sphenoid bone and give it a little mental turn, then all of a sudden, spontaneously, the hips and the cranial bones align at once. That's considered physiologically impossible. Then I was sitting in LA at the Bulletproof Cafe in Santa Monica, and uh, I had I was drinking coffee, and then it suddenly dawned on me. I was I was wearing a sweater. I played golf in the morning. I pulled out a golf tee out of my sweater. What would happen if I meditate on the golf tee as if it was a person? Now, that's a really dumb thought, mm -hmm. but I love dumb thoughts. So I tried it and I meditated to align the sphenoid bone and put that information into the golf tee. And when I handed it to somebody, it instantly aligned their hips and cranial bones. I go, no, that can't be true. And I did it 10 times and it worked all the time. And then I said, well, what about this plastic lid? It was on my coffee cup, will that work? Yeah, worked just as well. What about a pebble outside, glass, plastic, rubber, any kind of material I could find worked. So I, I ran 58 experiments to find out what the limits of it were. And I found out, for instance, if you boil water for 20 minutes and cooled it down, it'll still hold the information of that energy. But what about water that had evaporated on the lid of the pot that I collected? It had lost the information. When it changed state, it lost the information. Water turning to ice lost the information, but ice turning to water maintained it. I wasn't making up the rules. I had no preconception of what was supposed to happen. So I was the perfect person to do the experiments because I, I have no idea what to expect. Let's just see what happens. And you, I could get yes or no. Now, did you, did you see that documentary about the, um, I think it's a Japanese doctor who did the water? Dr. The water yes, doctor, the, yeah, the, the, the yeah. water experiments. Yeah. 
Yeah, unfortunately, Dean Radin of Noetic Science did yeah. research on Dr. Emoto's findings, mm -hmm. and it wasn't pretty. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Because what he did was he, he eventually took the video down because I think they probably got too many complaints from it from Emoto's people. Mm -hmm. But what happened was um, he had thousands of people meditating on a bottle of water that was on a live camera feed. And there was another bottle of water 10 feet away that nobody could see. So thousands of people were sending their love to bottle A. And then they took 50 slides of frozen slides of A and B, and they sent it to him. Then he put them up randomly for thousands of people to say, which looks prettier, A or B, A or B, A or B. And there was an emoto effect, but it was like 1% bias toward the one that everybody had meditated on. Now, if I have 70 cents in my pocket and say I have $5 million, that's called line. And so that's what Emoto essentially had done is he so exaggerated his findings. He just did cherry picking. He took pretty pictures and ugly pictures, but there was an Emoto effect. That's the exciting part. Everything he said was true, but exaggerated. So we do affect the, we do affect the water, but you don't get the, like the really gorgeous picture and the, and the messed up picture. You don't get that. You get something where thousands of choices of A and B, there is a bias toward it. But what isn't um, subtle is that you can send your love, you can use your breathing, body, body awareness and intention, and you can make massive physiological changes in other people. We used to have a, a um, well, we still have them all over the world, support groups where people would do quantum touch on each other. And they'd invite a new person in every week that they'd have their meeting and they kept seeing miracles. And they said, well, we can't keep calling it a miracle if it happens all the time. So they came up with a new word and they called it a normical. That when miracles become normal, we just accept that this is a normical. This is just how life works. That the body has an extraordinary ability to heal itself. And because we haven't been using this incredible resource of, I'll just call it activated love, where we're combining these elements of our consciousness to help the other person's body accelerate its own healing. Here it is the principle. When two things vibrate at different frequencies, either the lower frequency comes up, the high one comes down, or they meet in the middle. This is resonance and entrainment, how the vibrations come together. When a practitioner, a skilled practitioner is working, they'll hold a really high vibration and the other person's energy has to match your vibration. Then their own body and spiritual intelligence does the healing. I don't know how to help anybody. I don't know how to heal a cell. <laughs> Nobody knows how to do that. That's like beyond human consciousness. But the spiritual intelligence of the system knows how to do it. An untrained person who might have just taken some Reiki courses or something, what they'll do is they'll bring the other person up, but they'll be coming down to match them. And they may feel tired or drained. Now, the publicity says that's not supposed to happen. But when I've interviewed hundreds of Reiki masters, about half of them told me they do get tired or drained from time to time. That's unnecessary. It doesn't have to happen that way. So we just use breathing and body awareness to lift ourselves to a higher and higher field. So we never come down to match them. They have to come up to match us. So we like to say the definition of a healer is someone who was sick and got well. And a great healer was someone very sick who got well quickly because ultimately the body heals itself. You don't heal anybody else. That's the illusion. That's Hollywood. Oh, I'm gonna drain myself like, you know, a green mile or ET or something. And I'm gonna give my vital energy to you and I'm sacrificing myself, you know? No, no, that's just silly. What we do is we raise ourselves up to become more and we let them match us. This is why it's so incredibly elegant. And we have practitioners and physical therapists and chiropractors and body workers of all kinds coming to quantum touch and being blown away because it's a technique without a big ego, meaning that you can combine it with anything else you know and get better results. If, if you it, know something, keep it. So it's interesting because I think uh, to, to bring this down to a level that a lot of people might have a better understanding of is when you walk into a room with a bunch of people in it 
you can many times if something negative has happened, if two people had just gotten into a fight, though they're quiet, you feel the energy. When you exactly. meet a sleazy car salesman, you feel like taking a shower afterwards. Where you're in the yes. presence of someone who's a little bit more spiritually enlightened or a little bit farther down the path, you feel their energy. I've been, I've had the pleasure of being in rooms with, you know, movie stars, and you sense their the energy that they come off, and you're like, oh, I get why they're movie stars. It's just they they radiate a certain exactly. they they radiate a certain energy that it, it's it's not quantifiable. Like you can't. You can't, you can't put a math problem to it, but that's kind of the energy you feel. And then you, and then there's people that you love being around because they make you feel better. And there's other people around that you feel talk, they're toxic. And either you have to maintain your energy in a toxic scenario, or you come down to their energy and you just feel, you feel horrible when you're there. So that's a little bit of an explanation of just energy in general. And people, I think most people have felt that in one way, shape, or form. I think that's a really good example to help people reconnect with that idea. One woman who had taken my workshops, she worked at a horrible job, kind of like the Department of Motor Vehicles, where everybody's cranky and angry all the time. And what she, and she came in in such a good mood that morning, and she decided what she was going to do was she was going to take that good energy and do distant healing on the whole office. And then she heard the most bizarre conversations, like one woman says, well, I don't know why I'm in such a good mood today. Nothing good has happened. And <laughs> complaining <laughs> about feeling good. And then I had, I used to have a hobby of, I was living in LA and I meet a lot of up and coming actors and mm-hmm. this woman's complaining, she can't get any jobs, blah, blah, blah. I said, well, let me show you some techniques. So I showed her how to increase her charisma energetically and how to raise her vibration before she walked in. So when she's having this like, hundred thousand, you know, she's got this one mile size aura as she's coming into the room and she says, hi guys. And I'm like, you know, what's with her? Now she's not prettier than anybody else, but there's something about her because her field is so strong. Oh, this wonderful expansion of energy that she's holding. And to be able to have these simple skills that you could work on you could do healing work on your loved ones, even on yourself. We had hundreds of stories of burn cases where people were able to bring down the pain really fast on themselves or other people. And then with COVID, we had to take all the testimonials off our website because the powers that be won't let us let people tell their stories anymore. So we how do you turn the website? So how do you do that? So how do you do? Well, we just, give me an example. Well, what happened is like we had a whole page of like 40 or 50 burn stories mm-hmm. of people who had dealt with like massive burns and they're all unique stories and totally different situations. And then we just took them all off the website and we re- we did redid the website at great expense, you know, to just, and, and we put them over somewhere where people don't have access to them right now because the Fauci powers that be say you're not allowed to talk about this stuff anymore. So we're experiencing that kind of crushing energetic of the culture. But I say, screw it, I'm gonna make my documentary. I'm gonna show people what's actually true. And one of the great secrets of the documentary is everybody watching it will be able to do everything I talk about. So, so is there any, uh, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Is there anything that you can show the audience today, a basic, of course. basic thing that they can, yeah. they can take away? Of course, yeah. So see if you can, Feel your hand or a finger by putting awareness there. Can you bring more sensation to your hand or a finger? Mm-hmm. Breathe deeply and bring that awareness into that hand. And just concentrate on it as your breath, as if you're breathing through it. Do you feel tingling or vibration or heat or coolness or some more sensation. If you can bring sensation, what you've done is you move your consciousness to that area. You become more aware of your physiology, but because the energy follows thought, that tingling or vibrating sensation is an indication that you've also brought energy there. Now that tingling isn't the energy itself. And when, and uh, the Karate Kid, I wrote the book before the Karate Kid came out. Oh, I just, and then he does the healing. You know what that does? When you rub your hands together, 
it's not static electricity and it's not an electrical thing. It's that you brought more awareness to your hand. You see, now you're feeling all the cells all over your hand. That's why it works. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Now you can do that without rubbing your hands too. And you can do it much more powerfully by developing the muscle of breathing and body awareness. So we teach people a whole series of breathing techniques and have them link it to body awareness. So you're moving it all the way through your whole body. You're catching all the chakras of your system. So you don't have to worry about what color of energy, uh, what quality of energy you're putting out because you're getting all the, all the qualities of energy because you're moving it all up through all the chakras. And then when it comes out your hands and we see these, these crazy things happen. You know, somebody in one of my classes regained her hearing. Somebody in one of my classes said, like, I put my glasses on. I couldn't see what time it was in the morning. I had to take the glasses off to see what time it was because her eyesight had changed so much. She just got a, a session for uh, sinus pain, but it helped her eyes because the body intelligence and the healing will go where the body is asking for it, not where you think it should go. So the body and spiritual intelligence is beyond our human imagination and understanding. We don't have the, the understanding of how a cell heals itself or how DNA heals itself. We don't really know how any of this happens. We're speculating. We're, we're like, we're not cavemen, but we're really in the dark when it comes to understanding how these things function. And the truth is, is that it's so much the mystery. And the reason they won't make the kind of progress that they could is because they're assuming that that life force energy isn't real. Because you can't weigh it, measure it, put it in a formula. Therefore, it's not real. Because the only things real can be through math, physics, and logic. And if it doesn't fit math, physics, and logic, we must dismiss it because that's the, that's the religion of science. The religion of science is everything can be measured. Everything can be quantified. And well, how much do you love your wife? How much do you love your kids? Tell me the number. How do you right. quantify that? You can't. You cannot quantify the most important things to us, which are the connection to our love. That's the most important thing for everybody. That's why people are trying to get fame and money and sex and all that. They're wanting the love. And they may be poor substitutes or great, or great at times if they're connected to the love or shallow if they're not. So that's why people are so lost. And part of the, the, the lostness of people is they're disconnected from their own inner harmony. Right. They're disconnected from their source. And it's reflected in music that no longer has harmony or messages that are uplifting and connected to source. Now, that's not all music, of course. But much of the music now is rhythmic intensity of bravado, of sexism, ego. of violence, of ego issues, rather than, ah, yeah. What And so a lot of younger people now cannot sing happy birthday on the same key because they're not, they're, they're tone deaf. They've lost the ability to hear melody and harmony as being significant. Therefore, inner harmony is lost because to hear harmony and feel harmony are very similar. They're very closely related. There's... um. There was a neuroscientist that I had on who, who said something really interesting that they were studying um, how electricity, uh, electrical, electrical energy passes through our bodies. And they yeah. would like literally take a, take a, a, a instrument across. And funny enough, do you know where the most conductive areas of the body are for energy to go through? No. First one was right around here. Okay. <laughs> Which That's if I, interesting. right here in the third eye, top of yeah. the skull, like it started going, and it was just all the chakras. Exactly where the chakras were wow. is scientifically, they were just like, and this is a neuroscience, very well respected neuroscientist just going, hey man, I'm, this, is, this is what I'm seeing. And this is, you know, quantifiable. Yeah. You can actually see these things. It's really an interesting concept about how energy is. And I also wanted to ask you, 
you talk a lot about breath work. Can you explain to the audience the power of breath and and what we can do with it? Because I'm sure you've heard of the Iceman, the guy who who goes into the water. Wim Hof. Hof. I've tried. Look, I've I've done the technique. It yeah, it it works. I mean, it 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 works, and it was really experiment. It was really in a. I did it for as an experiment to see the power of breath. And yes, man, is it powerful. People just don't understand the power of breath. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Well, the breath is more than just breath because as spiritual entities that we are, the breath has access to this life force energy, this prana, the chi. And so while Wim Hof doesn't really talk about that very much, because he enters surrender modes and because he's using taking the breath to the limits of how far, how much oxygenation you can do. The oxygenation is kind of the, the physical version of the life force energy, but the life force energy doesn't require uh, massive over-oxygenation to be able to utilize, but it, it does help to move that prana through the system. The breath and the prana are similar, are so closely related and so, when we're doing healing sessions on each other, we're not quite doing a Wim Hof breath, but at times we're doing a fire, a variation of a fire breath, which is similar to a Wim Hof breath. And we're also keeping, like when he's ca- climbing Mount Kilimanjaro in his in, shorts. In, in shorts and, and, and like flip-flops or something <laughs> in the winter. Yeah, flip-flops in the winter while the, the ski patrol is coming down the mountain in their down coats and they're seeing people playing the guitar and walking up the mountain in their shorts and drinking beer and laughing and having a good time. While these people are coming up, they are all still doing exaggerated breathing the whole time they're doing it. Well, when we're doing quantum touch, we're also doing an exaggerated breathing. We might do like a four, four count or a one, six count, but it's very like, we can breathe through the nose or the mouth, but you wanna move maximum air, but you don't wanna get dizzy. And then we're doing fire breath and we're doing a lot of different breathing. And sometimes when you take the energy up as high as you can and, and your hands are vibrating like crazy, and then they seem to start leveling off, you might want to do a fire breath and bring it up to another level. So uh, Norman Sheely, the founding president of the American Holistic Medical Association tested me. And after working on his accountant, his secretary and his nurses, and everybody was getting better, he said, well, you know, maybe they liked you or maybe they were being nice. I want to give you tough, 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 my toughest cases. So we brought in a whole group of people who had never helped, been helped by any traditional or alternative method with massive pain. These are major pain cases. And what he did was I trained four of his other people, all five of us sat around for an hour at a time working on each one of these people because I know they were going to be tough cases. And at one of the point, and all of them had between a 30 and 70% reduction of their pain that was lasting two weeks later. Anyway, Norma was working on one woman and he was holding her head. And he said, oh my God, the vibration is so strong in my hands. I said, yeah, that's how it works. And then after about 20 or 30 minutes, he said, I don't feel anything in my hands. I said, great, take your hands away. He said, they're vibrating like crazy. Now put your hands on her. He said, I don't feel anything. Exactly, she has matched your vibration. And then Norm said, I get it. He said, you can't give a person too much energy. <laughs> That's exactly you right. Can't you, can't OD. Says, you can't OD on energy. No, you can't. You can't OD it. And so then he said something that I still, is one of my aspirations in this lifetime, among 100 others. He said, I want to see 24 hour a day quantum touch sessions given to every critical patient in every hospital. Mm-hmm. Now that's going to look like Star Trek science fiction. Because the more a person is suffering, you know, when the battery has a 10% charge, it looks like a miracle when you bring it up to, to 80 or 90. When the battery is 90%, you don't even notice if it gets to 100. And so when somebody's in really depleted shape and you got one or three people doing an energy healing session for them for an hour, it's going to look like a miracle. And if you could do that, you know, five, 10 times a day, it's going to be crazy, miraculous healing. We've seen this in so many thousands of situations. Even I even showed uh, students at the University of California, Santa Cruz 
on the basketball team, how to work, how I could work with injury. And we saw, I documented every session, gave every report to the coach before, you know, after the person had signed it before the session and after the session, how long and what their pain was and all their notes. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. We saw on 100 sessions, an an average relief of 50% from a 10-minute session across the board. And he wrote a letter saying, in my vast experience, I've never seen anything like this, blah, blah, blah. One of my students told me that there's a professional baseball team using it, but they won't admit it because they don't want other teams to know. There's a professional football team. Another one of my students told me there's a professional football team using it, but they don't want anybody to know because it's their secret. It's called quantum touch but don't tell anyone, but this really helps people accelerate their body's potential for self-healing. The healer was the one who was sick and we were just helping them accelerate their own self-healing mechanism through the energy. So if you have an injury, let's say, or a chronic pain that doesn't want to go away, how how would you approach healing yourself? So in in any aspect of your life? All right. There's, there's two sides to it. The first is we could do energy work. So you know, a woman comes to me with massive sciatic pain. She cries herself to sleep every night. Okay, this is easy. I'm in a cafe. I don't care where I am. I'll just do it anywhere. And I spend about six or eight minutes working on her sciatica. And I expect it's going to like handle it. And it didn't at all. Because about one out of eight or 10 times, maybe it's one out of 20, but it's, you're just not going to be able to make the progress energetically. So what I did was I have another entire system I call self-created health that helps people to discover the emotional causes of why something is in place. So I helped her figure out what she's in extreme emotional pain and anger about by not using some paint by number system. Well, sciatica means this and needs mean that. No, that's paint by number. What I did was I asked her simple interrogative questions. And within four or five minutes, we knew exactly what the issue was, had to do with her ex-husband and blah, blah, blah. So I gave her a little bit of homework. Okay, now release the intensity of that pain. Just let yourself feel the pain as an emotion instead of in your, and she slept like a baby and didn't have any problem with sciatica. And so she started running with that ball, like, oh my God, I can let myself feel my emotional intensity. So the energy healing is, is absolutely brilliant up to a point. And there's about maybe eight or 10% of the cases. It's not what the, it's not the answer to the question. And maybe, okay, one woman who is one of our top instructors, she came to my first class I taught on self-created health, which is what I call my system. Took me 30 years to develop that system, by the way. But she had been having this hip pain that just kept coming to her. And, and the quantum touch would relieve the hip pain, but it always came back. And then while she's asking herself the questions, I have developed like a series of simple interrogative questions that anybody can ask anybody else. You can ask yourself and write down all the answers verbatim. As she's answering the questions for the very first time, she gets the download. Oh my God, that's what it is. And she got the insight because all the conditions are holographically mirroring emotions you didn't want to feel. We live in a magical holographic reality. And so the scientists who are materialists want to say it's a hologram from the future with advanced aliens or or humans that have, no, it's a spiritual reality. They know it's an illusion. So they have to come up with a physical explanation saying it's a simulation. Well, it is kind of a, a simulation, but it's a spiritual simulation. But because they can't go there, because that's taboo to consider that as how the reality works, then they just don't go there because it's an unacceptable answer to the question. But I find their physical answers unacceptable. So let me ask you, because you were saying something in regards to letting go of emotion. Can you explain the power of what we think and how we feel on our physical health, on our ailments, on our diseases, things like that, where I, I mean, uh, someone famously said, if, okay. if, if we, if we 
if we had a person in our life who spoke to us like we speak to ourselves, we would want them out of our lives very, very quickly. What most can, people would do that, yeah. Most people do that. So right. what is the effect so let's, of let's, this negative talk that we do to ourselves? So what happens is the body has the ability to be sick, not as a dysfunction, but a communication from your own higher consciousness. So the suppressed hurt, anger, shame, and guilt are the big four. Whenever you suppress an active emotion of anger, it has to be expressed and it will be expressed through your health, your relationships, or your successes or lack thereof. You will constantly, the, the outer reality is a mirror of consciousness and your body is one of the best feedback mechanisms. So when you suppress the hurt and you don't want to feel the hurt and your body is hurting, when you express the, express the anger and you've got, you know what, it's funny, I read this article years ago, I hadn't thought of it in a long time, but cell biologists studying cancer cells describe the most virulent, dangerous, malignant cancer cells as being looking very angry. Suppressed anger is the expression of cancer. And the cancer patients are known to be the nicest people in the world. Prince of a fellow, too good to be true, are technical terms they use at hospitals to describe the cancer patients because they're so nice. What's eating you? Oh, nothing, just my cancer. So what happens is when people suppress the intensity of their emotions, then they express. I had one guy come to me a couple of years ago who had a business failure of unprecedented proportion. It was like unbelievably painful. So I tracked it back and we saw that he had had two other failures of his business, equally bad. And so, all right, well, let's take that back further. And when I, you see what I do is I ask a series of questions and I get 30, 40 replies. I ask them and then I, I look at the most graphic reply, like uh, was, was there a situation that had some of these elements and I'll feed a few back like, where you felt like you were being stabbed in the back and this, well, sounds like my relationship with my ex or something. Or when did that happen? That was 20 years ago when this condition started. Was there an emotional situation at that time where you felt hopeless, like you were being stabbed in the back. And well, it sounds like my situation with my father or something. I said, well, let's see if it fits. And I'll walk through all 40 of their replies one by one, and they all match the condition they didn't want to feel. So this guy, when I tracked it back to his childhood, this business failure he had, which were two others before in the last 40 years before he had had these other two failures, felt exactly, and I can't even imagine this, the way he felt when his drunk father was beating his mom, knowing he would be beat up afterwards. I can't even imagine that kind of pain, but that's the kind of pain he felt from this business failure. Why does he have it? Because he didn't finish it. So it's Groundhog Day. You haven't finished this. You see, we wanna come back to love. We want to heal. We want as spiritual beings to complete our mission here and have beautiful love and connection. And so we keep repeating the story over and over again. Oh man, you're just like my mom or my dad or something because we want to heal it. That's why, especially younger people in relationship are always dating their, their parents, either identical to the parents or, or, or identically opposite to their parents, but they're still hold, holding that rope. They're pulling on that rope. And that's why we do it. Not because we're stupid, but because we want to heal the relationship, because it's a very beautiful thing in a very sad way. We're unconscious. And the biggest human blockage is the unwillingness to feel the intensity of the emotions. So everybody starts, like they're all standing in shit up to their lower lips saying, don't make waves. We're all gonna be normal. We're not gonna feel too much. We're not gonna get too angry. We're not gonna get too sad. We're not gonna fully, Express and you see the islanders, you know, where somebody stays on some remote island for six months. And then when he leaves, the people all feel the need to put their head on his shoulder and cry fully, as fully, because I'll never see you again to completely feel it all. But we're civilized and we're, we'll be normal and we'll function like automatons and become more and more deadened mm -hmm. as time goes on. And I'm seeing the deadening of the society. When I was growing up, I mean, I'm, I'm 73 now. 
You look fantastic, sir, by the way. Well, you know, I just did a, I, my trainer today had me doing about 140 push-ups, so I'm not doing too bad. Not but bad. When, what happened was I see when I was, you know, when Star Wars first came out in like 77 or something, there was no obese people in line. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Now it's normalized. We have to have at least one or two obese people in all the sitcoms or TV shows because we have to normalize it. And we're not allowed to say, you know, you're really carrying too much weight. No, that's fat shaming now. We're not allowed to even tell the truth about the fact that we're eating crap and we're not uplifting ourselves as a culture. We're actually becoming much worse over time where people are more and more disconnected from themselves. And where's the passion, enthusiasm, creativity, exuberance of the society? Like, wow, this is gonna be so exciting when we move in these directions. Why are there no hospitals? Why, why are there no universities in the world studying life force energy? It's right there. They could look at it, but the money says no. Everything has to be you know, drugs or surgery or, or implants or some kind of thing you sell. It's got to be saleable. But how can you sell breathing, body, awareness, and love? You can't sell it. It's not marketable. But if people want to empower themselves, I really encourage them to study some of the stuff that, that you're talking about, that I'm talking about, because it empowers you and it can uplift you and provide a whole new avenue of exploration. I've had countless people tell me they changed their career after even reading my first book because it set them on a whole different life path of possibility. Well, I mean, for, for me, I mean, I've seen just the power of what you eat to heal yourself is totally massive. And, it, you know, when you, I was being you know raised and growing up, all, all bow down to the medical establishment and they're the ones that are going to save you. And I always tell people, yes. look, if I'm shot, don't rub a leaf on me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I need to yeah. go to an emergency room. I need some surgery. But for long-term yeah. care and chronic things, just changing your diet is I, I, I took my wife off of all of her. When I first met her in her 20s, she was on like three allergy medicines and like Flonase yeah. and other things like that. And, and I'm like, is it like, how long are you going to be on these? She's like, oh, I'm going to be on these for the rest of my life. I'm like, no, you're not. And I just changed her diet. And in 30 days, she got off of all of it just by changing her diet to an organic diet back then. And, slow, and, and you know, slowly but surely she was able, she was healed and she's never dealt with it again. Of course. Now, one small suggestion I can make is it's very hard on your body to try to go from A to G. Mm. Like you can't jump seven steps at the same, you know, just I go two steps, maybe, maybe right. three if you're really pushing it, but you can't jump eight steps or 10. So the body doesn't respond well to trying to overnight change things. But I have a wonderful suggestion that can change your life forever. And that is every week, make one small change that you'll never go back on. So, okay, well, I'm never going to eat Twinkies again. Okay. That's just my, my thing. Or, or I'm I've always going to just, I'm just. I've had a Twinkie you know, I forever. Gave, <laughs> I know. I gave a lecture one time to a room of physicians and the only one who was obstinate didn't want to pay attention or, or practice anything I was showing them was a, a woman physician in the back of the room and her lunch consisted of, I swear to God, a package of Twinkies and a can, a can of Coke. That was her lunch. Wow. But she'd been to med school. She graduated med school and she's eating a can of Coca-Cola and a package of Twinkies. And that was her lunch. And she didn't need to learn anything. Of course, I don't think she lasted this long. But bottom line is, if you decide to make one small change every week, oh, I just learned that vitamin D3 would be good for me. So, you know, let me get my blood tested and, and find out what the proper dosage is. Fantastic. That's one tiny change. Take one little tiny pill every day. You know, if that's what you need, make one small change 
just a tiny change every week. Look for what would be a little better than I'm doing now. Well, I'll park a little further away and walk, okay? Whatever the tiny change is, you decide to make that change and then forevermore, I'm always gonna stick to that change. It's actually a very easy thing to do, but if you make a 2% change a week, in a year, you're 100% different. And the next year, you're 100% different. And next year, so, you know, I'm adding so many things to my coffee. It's silly now, but it's, it's fun. It's not even coffee Because, <laughs> well, it's, 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 a, it's a concoction at this point. You know, I go into my coffee shop and I have my big bag and I'm, I'm putting this, I got my thing that spins it inside the, but I'm just making my own thing. But it's a very small change, but it, these things add up. And especially when you get older, you want to not only maintain your vibrancy, but you want to get better. I'm much stronger than I was in my 20s. Mm -hmm. I can hit a golf ball much further than I could when I was 30, 40, or even in my 20s. So you can, you can actually change the course by not developing hardening of the categories. You decide to keep growing and becoming more and making your own discoveries. And we say hardening of the categories, what does that mean? The assumption that everything will be explained through your assumptions. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> the assumption that, that your assumptions are enough to have the open mind to say, hey, there may be things that I know nothing about. Like I knew nothing about life force energy. I do nothing about the prana, the chi. I thought I was completely of the opinion that we will understand everything through math, physics, and logic, like the rest of them. And but when I saw things that just couldn't make sense, that were so outlandish. So, for instance, I gave a talk at something called the Smart Life Forum in Silicon Valley, where there were a hundred scientists and other people fascinated with growth. And I demonstrated that I could align people without touching them. And so I did a few up close demonstrations where people could see, I said, well, um, would you like me to align the whole first row? And say, well, hey, why don't you do the whole room? All right, I had never tried that, so let's do it. So I did it out loud. And what that looked like, I didn't know I could do it, but I just tried it. What it looked like was, I'm looking at everybody at the room, just kind of like I'm reading, Everybody there, I'm just having a deep intention to include everybody in my consciousness. And I'm doing this out loud. I'm saying, okay, I'm looking around at everybody to include you all. Okay, now that I've seen everybody, now I'm gonna close my eyes and I'm gonna merge you all into one iconic person, like this sort of a mannequin kind avatar, of Avatar, almost like an avatar, yeah. Yeah, like an avatar. So I just merged everybody into one iconic person. Then I said, okay, now I'm going to do the alignment. That took like three seconds. Okay. I'm just going to move the senoid bar. Okay, that was done. Okay, and then all of a sudden, we had about 10 or 12 people in the room say, oh my God, my neck stopped hurting and my sinuses opened up and my, you know, and my back feels better and my shoulder opened. And because as that simple shift of the sphenoid behind the nose and eyes moves, the hips untwist, the cranial bones untwist. And that, by the way, is a permanent alignment that takes two seconds. And so one of the things we're showing in the documentary is I'm gonna show everybody watching it how to do that technique. And it breaks physics in its traditional form because there's no way without force. You see chiropractors, use force, osteopaths and physical therapists use pressure, but they all use some kind of en deep energy, physical energy to cause the alignment of the cranial bones and the hips and usually go out again in three days. I can wave my finger and say boing mm -hmm. and do it in one second and it's done. And you can check them six months later. Richard, do you meditate by any chance? Yeah, I meditate. Um, but it's not, it's not like I used to, uh, it's more like my mind is so quiet normally. I've had my brainwaves tested, I'm very abnormal. I'm living in Delta and Theta all the time, like the deepest states of sleep and meditation. So like last night I had a difficult question I had to ask myself and I didn't know how to find an answer. So I just stood there, emptied out and said, all right, how would it feel to go this way with it? It doesn't feel good. How about if I go this way with it? Oh, that feels good. So I asked it a second time. 
Is it, is it do it this way? No. Does this way feel good? Yes. All right. Now, even though I had my concerns, I made the decision. This was just me simply tapping in. So you can go into active meditations where you are asking questions or opening up, or you can just meditate on the depth of your love, or you can just go empty and do empty meditations where you're just, just quieting yourself. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. But that's sort of an automatic for me to have that quietness. But the thing is, are you intentioning, that's a word, to, to connect with the, the deepest, most wonderful aspect of yourself? Let's call it the deepest love, the deepest gratitude, the deepest connection with your ideals and principles to align yourself and have that integrity to be aligned with your deepest principles and desires? Or can your desires be aligned with your principles? Wow, that's powerful. Can you set your priorities so that your alignment is a full expression of who and what you wish to become? That's powerful. And so if the meditation takes you there, yes. Now, a lot of people use meditation as an escape or a relaxation. Mm -hmm. I approve the relaxation, but not so much the escape. I hung out at a Buddhist community for a while. And um, I found out a lot of the people were just so afraid of their emotions, they found a spiritual path where they don't have to feel anything. And so they're hiding behind the Buddhism. So as not to have to feel <clears throat> the intensity of the rage and the depth of the hurt and the sadness, the unfathomable pain and the shame and the guilt that are, are buried in suppressed emotions. So I'll just let, let the thought pass through me and I don't have to go there, but it's still going to be reflected in your consciousness because you can't bury an emotion and hope that it dies. When you bury emotion, there's some book title that said you bury it alive. And we always bury these emotions alive. So it's, it's no good just to meditate if you're still holding on to the depth of that hurt, anger, shame, and guilt because it will still have to express itself. Right. Right. Now I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. I ask all my guests, what is your mission in this life? Well, I have a few, um, on a professional level, I want to see a bridge between science and spirituality to occur. I want to see a complete paradigm shift of the materialism in science. And I want to see a post-material science exist on more of a personal level it's to exemplify my own love and creativity and have have my community of people and and the loved ones to you know find an ideal to be in an ideal relationship and to have um to be an inspiration to myself and others primarily that's my own personal quest so i'm on my own personal quest but i have my <clears throat> my more um, to the world quest as well. And then I'm thinking that there are some very large projects that would require billions of dollars that I'd like to be involved in. I have some ideas of what they are right now. I just don't have access to that resource yet. If somebody wants to hear about them and you have resources, we can talk. And why do you think, uh, what is the ultimate purpose of life? To have fun. Enjoy this, enjoy this ride. Yeah, it's like, you see, what is fun? That's not an easy question. Fun is connecting with your higher self, connecting with the deepest part of your love to be living your integrity, have the honesty, integrity, the self-responsibility and the trust to do things that are aligned with yourself so that you can actually have that depth of fun to really enjoy and celebrate this space that's what it's, it's all for and the purpose of this is an evolutionary journey to grow and be transformed to heal to to discover who we and what we really are and not just the money making you know or or fame seeking or or sexually 
you know, mm -hmm. whatever. It's to become more because I believe we're on an evolutionary journey. And then beyond humanness, there are realms that go on forever beyond the physical human form and the reincarnation of the, of the soul that, that we move past time space reality into places where there is no time and you experience yourself on a massively different vibrational level than we do now. I think that's what it's about. And where can people find uh, your book, your books, your courses, and find out more about you, sir? There, there are uh, five of my books now. They're all on Amazon. And I don't know if people still shop for books anymore at the brick and mortar places, but um, you can find them. But if you're interested in becoming more and studying energy healing, I encourage you to go to quantumtouch.com and explore learning it or becoming a practitioner or even becoming an instructor and inspiring thousands of other people to do this because it's a human ability that appears to have been lost or forgotten in the past that transforms our potential to care for others. Richard, it's been a fascinating conversation to say the least. Thank you so much for coming on the show and thank you for doing the work that you've been doing. So I, I truly appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. Likewise, I really appreciate your questions too. Thanks a lot. I want to thank Richard so much for coming on the show and sharing his techniques and knowledge with all of us. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, including how to reach out to Richard about and learn about his courses and his books, head over to the show notes at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash 078. And if you've only been listening to this over podcast and you want to watch these amazing conversations, please subscribe to our YouTube channel at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, trust the journey. It is here to teach you. I'll talk to you soon.